Hey everyone, my name is Phil and welcome to Tales from the Secret Cabin podcast. Uh, this is part three of our four-part series where we are exploring uh, the four major themes of Advent and the season of Advent uh, together. Uh, this conversation today is a conversation between uh, myself, KJ, Jenny, and Stetson, and we talk about the theme of love. Um, so many different places this uh, topic could take us, and and it was really fun to be a part of and just see where we land with these things. Uh, Stetson does a great job um, sharing uh, sort of his learnings around the origin story of Santa Claus. Um, we talk a lot about the um, connection between John the Baptist and the way he embodied love, um, the way that we're longing for love to be more expressed in our life, and, and even the theme of gift giving and how that kind of connects. And so, uh, again, just just glad that you're here and, and just want to invite you to enjoy this and um, experience this conversation with us together. All right, well, welcome to uh, part three of Tales from the secret cabin of our uh, four-part Advent series. Uh, my name is Phil, and uh, we got a uh, full room here. Mm -hmm. uh, excited for this time. Who's here today? Jenny. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny Hooten. I was here last time, and it was really fun, so I'm happy to be back. I got invited back, so thanks. Yeah, and I'm Stetson. Hi, Stetson. Should I say anything about myself? Yeah, say something about yourself. Um, I work for Christ Community. I'm a friend of everyone here in the room. And I'm mostly excited to be in this room with these people. And I'm KJ, and I am a pastor, beekeeper, bow hunter, and the owner of the Secret Cabin. <laughs> Very nice. So you said so many cool things. You know, Stetson, last week when I, I had to introduce myself, I was I felt like I was put on the spot. And then, yeah, he said like, this great. I was all, oh, I should have done that. I've been on the moon and cured hepatitis. <laughs> I'm trying to say the same thing every time. So it's kind of like this like cool little thing that people are like, oh, there's KJ. He's a, you know. Oh, I'm yeah. mostly jealous. That's, I mean, this is where this is coming from. Envy is a sin. I know. <laughs> I'm right so, there. With you. <laughs> this is great. So, okay. So one of the things we've done, uh, the, the, the few times we've done this is uh, people get here and they kind of share their story about the secret cabin. Uh, have you been here before? Is this? Yeah. I've okay. Been here a so, few times. so a lot of people who have come here, this is their first time you've been here, but describe what was it like coming in here for you? What are some stories you've got from just your, your time here? That kind of thing. Um, I've probably experienced the deepest levels of vulnerability to and from in this room. Um, it feels like you're not in the location that it is in. Like the outside world becomes someplace entirely different. And yeah, like the steps that you take to get into this specific room, once you come in, it's like, how is this possible for this to be here? It's a magical place. You know, I'm going to just, you know, broaden things. Up. I mean, that was just very poetic and really beautiful. But the the first time that you were here, I remember you being being like so comfortable that you said, I'm just so comfortable. I'm going to take off my pants. Okay, there's, there's some and, context. And that's needed. You took off your pants and you just sat there and you were glowing. Like I said, vulnerability. And were you sitting it was here? so hot in here. 
Where it were you was, sitting? It was hotter <laughs> than it is right now. Uh, probably right where you're sitting, Jenny. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know if it was that chair. It was, but uh, it was so hot in here. It was like 85 degrees, 90. It was blazing. Yeah. Ooh. So I have this fireplace pl- in here, and so if the fireplace gets going, it's a sauna. It's lovely. And yep. so he had to take if off the his fireplace pants. gets going. The pants get going too. <laughs> and that's in the Bible. <laughs> Today's going to be a good one. It's it going to be great. Well, glad that you're here for sure. I am, I'm also trying to think through, you know, before we started uh, this podcast, uh, KJ was saving the world over here with about seven wasps trying to get them out of here. It was so waspy. It was waspy in here. It's hot in here, a little steamy. It's good stuff. Yeah, the temperature is so much different it than is. it had been this past time. It was like so cold and it's kind of like summer's here. Mm-hmm. With the breeze. It's not at pants off level. No, no. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's probably best. It is for the best. <laughs> um, so he he actually contributed to the secret cabin, though. Ooh. That's on that's very like important. the building. Ha- no, I'm going to actually have him explain a little bit. Oh, he, okay. um, there's this painting up here of this f- f- five by five bull elk, and oh, so yeah. um, he gave me that painting two summers ago, and I, I hung it up in here, and I was really proud of that. So explain the painting of. The five by five bull elk. Um, my mom was a painter, and she died five years ago, and left behind a bunch of these incredible paintings. And that was one of the ones that I asked for um, when we kind of distributed the paintings across the family. And there was this um, one hunting season. Um, KJ usually keeps me updated on how successful or unsuccessful he is. And I forget if it was the description or the picture that he sent, but it was just like immediately known that he needed to have that. It was almost like, yeah, I was more of like the delivery person than the gift giver. And yeah, like it's, it's perfect. Cause like even the size of the animal in there is pretty, Similar to the size of the one that you got yeah. that season. And yeah, I don't know. There was some deeper level behind it. I think it was just this visceral, holy feeling of just like this belongs to KJ now. I better give it to him. So all that going to the introduction of who Stetson is. Mm-hmm. Um, he is thoughtful. He's poetic. He's a good friend. He's brilliant. He's prophetic. Um, and he belongs here. Oh, so that is the intro to Stetson, and I am so glad to have him back. Thanks. And if it's hot, the pants are coming off. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) I love it. it. So we have been spending uh, some time here um, just going through the themes of Advent, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first two parts of this, I would encourage you to do that. Um, KJ uh, does a great job of kind of setting the... Uh, the background and some of the context for this conversation and some of the heartbeats of, of how we're going after and just kind of sharing our heart. But KJ, why don't you give us a little bit of a picture about today and just kind of where we want to take our conversation today? Yeah. So um, the, the, the t- topics that already have happened have been the topic of, of hope and then the topic of peace. And so for each of the different themes of Advent, there are historically a, um, there are the, the people who Biblically embody that. So, um, for 
for instance, for the topic of peace, it's typically the prophets for um, the theme of, of hope. It's typically the, the children of God. And for today, our topic is love, L-O-V-E, love. And, um, and the, the person who upholds that in church history was John the Baptist. And um, it's, it's a very interesting thing because um, typically, if you think about the character of John the Baptist, the first thing that you think about, it isn't that. It's, he's, he's fiery. He's, he's very passionate. Um, he's definitely prophetic. Does someone else have this idea of who the John the Baptist is? No. <laughs> Jenny, I'm not surprised, but, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning. You in this. <laughs> no, it's like he, he knew something that everyone else didn't. Yeah. And he was really patient for everyone else to catch on. Yeah. But he also didn't wait around to let anybody else know either at the same time. Right. Like he was just this really gracious truth teller. That's good. And so the church out of everyone in the Bible during the season of Advent, they could pick anyone and say, this person embodies love and they picked John the Baptist. And I'd be like, why? And I sit there and I pause and it's like this story of like the unsung hero. Like as soon as Jesus comes on the scene, like before that, like he was very successful and like, like people are coming to see him. Then Jesus comes on the scene and he gets his head cut off. I mean, it's like his story is over. Um, and, um, and he was prepared for it. I kind of almost like I could just see him being like, yeah, I did what I came to do. Um, and, and that's pretty inspiring to me. So, um, our idea of the Advent season and the church calendar, just bringing you up to speed of it, is this idea that the church calendar, it exists and it assumes that people forget. It, it brings you back to places you've been before because you probably have forgotten that you've been there. Um, and the times you come back, it's kind of like coming back to the secret cabin. It's like, oh... I forgot about this place. Yeah. I forgot about this feeling. I forgot about the things that that I that I encountered here, and it brings you back to a common place that invites you to grow. And so today, our theme is love. So, okay, your question or your thoughts around John the Baptist and why kind of triggered this thought within me. And honestly, as I was just thinking about today in this podcast and even just the theme of love, like it was, I was finding myself getting more frustrated than anything. And I don't know why, um, partly because when I was thinking of peace or hope, like there was an emotion that went on that I was like, okay, I can connect with that. But this concept of love is really big and where to kind of center myself in, in this season. And how do I, how do I focus and center my heart around it was, was pretty ambiguous. And that's probably why I got frustrated. So unpack yeah. that a little bit. And again, maybe there's a connection there between why John the Baptist too. What is it about what he embodied in love that I'm supposed to sort of hang my hat on? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to unpack other than, you know, the fact that I think I see people who like get it, you know, like, like I can point at someone and say, man, I want a heart like that, or I want to be compassionate like that, or I want to be a servant like that. Um, and and like I think like um, there had been a couple 
Christmases ago um, that I heard a, a, a sermon and it was like published and and it was uh is this guy who's just like going to town about how uh how santa claus is super evil and we can't focus on presents and santa claus and all that that whole thing that you typically hear um during the christmas season and it's pointing back to jesus and and i i thought you know, from the tiny bit of things that I had been taught about the origins of Santa Claus, um, I, I kind of got inspired and I was like, man, you know, I b- bet you from the tiny bit that I know about Santa Claus, he probably gets Christmas and like the origin of Santa Claus. Uh, he gets Christmas better than probably anyone else. And so, so I was talking to Steve. Detson, who had been our college pa- pa- pastor at the time, and he is still the college pastor. Yeah, one of the you, next gen you're pastors. Still, you're still the pastor. Yeah, he's in my repertoire. Yeah, and <laughs> and so I was I was talking to Stetson, and I said, "Man, if you could do a sermon on the origins of Santa Claus and tell us the story." I bet you that there is like so much about the heart of the gospel in there. And so he accepted the challenge and he came back and he preached this sermon on Santa Claus and I was weeping. And so, and so today, like thinking about this topic, thinking about John the Baptist, who like technically is kind of like Santa Claus, like he prepared this path for Christmas um, of the spirit, you know, and I thought Stetson needs to come here during this Advent season and teach us about the origins of St. Nicholas. Yeah, I had no idea how big of a gift you gave me in giving me that topic. I'm so grateful for what I've learned. So I've got good news and better news and bad news. Um, My favorite. <laughs> yeah, the good news is Santa's real. The better news is he's even better than you thought he was. Um, the bad news is, is he's dead. Uh, he he died seventeen hundred years ago, <laughs> yeah. and Jenny laughs. Yeah, <laughs> Jenny's like good, good. <laughs> Scrooge. Um, uh, his name was Nicholas, and he lived in Myra, which was uh, a town or a city in Turkey. And so he was known as Nicholas of Myra, and he lived in the third century, and he was a bishop. Uh, and he was a Christian bishop for about a decade until it became illegal to be a Christian in Turkey. And he didn't recant, so he was put in prison for another 10 years, and he was tortured for 10 years. Okay, just hold on. So Santa Claus, he was in prison for 10 years, mm-hmm. and he was tortured. Yeah, and he didn't recant his beliefs. Okay, so explain that. So he didn't... They tortured him trying to get him to confess that everything he believed was a lie. Wow. And... He never did for a decade. And after 10 years, he came out because it was legal to be Christian again, and he continued serving as a bishop for the rest of his life. Looks like you're about to say something, Phil. Um, Just transfixed. Yeah. So uh, he was born into a pretty wealthy family, and uh, he he chose the life of a bishop anyway, which, which isn't that prosperous of... Uh, a life. And there's all these legends about him that we don't normally associate with Santa Claus. Like it's said that he was on a boat in the Mediterranean and he prayed for God to calm the storm that they were in and the storm stopped. 
Um, there was this execution that was about to go through and he rushed to the scene cause he knew that the judge had been bribed and he exposed the judge of bribery and saved these three guys that were about to be killed. Um, there were these three boys in Myra that were murdered and he prayed that God would bring them back. And the legend says, as God answered his prayer and these boys came back to life. And that's how he became the patron saint of children. That's why Santa is associated with children is because it started with him like resurrecting these three boys. But the cool thing about Santa is that because he had a wealthy family when his parents died, uh, he spent the rest of his life giving away his family's fortune. Um, there was this man who had three daughters and the man was very poor and he didn't have enough money to pay a dowry for his daughters to get married, which meant they would have to support themselves. And really the occupation, the only occupation for a woman to support themselves at the time was prostitution. So this father was looking at his three daughters going into prostitution. Well, there were three nights in a row where Santa walked past this guy's house and tossed a bag of gold coins in the windows three nights in a row, one for each daughter. This is where we get the whole like bag of gifts coming down the chimney legend is because he rescued three women from prostitution. And, and then he just like had these little practices of uh, walking past kids' shoes, and he always had these gold coins in his pocket. And anytime he saw a kid's empty shoe, he would just drop a gold coin in these shoes and walk by before anyone like caught on that he was there or anything, which is where like the whole stockings thing comes from is like this practice of dropping coins into shoes. But the coolest thing about St. Nicholas of Myra was as a bishop, he was there for the first Council of Nicaea. Um, if you don't know what the Council of Nicaea was in the third century, um, I think it was Constantinople. Um, the, it's also Istanbul a was yep. Constantinople. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there was a lot of divisions in Christianity because it was like this baby religion and there was all these like differing opinions and beliefs. And, and, uh, and one of the things that was being contested was whether or not Jesus was actually God or if he was just like a prophet or a man or, or something like that. So the very first session of the Council of Nicaea was for all these like 300 bishops to get together and debate whether or not Jesus was actually God. And one of the bishops there was St. Nicholas of Myra. And for two months, they argued back and forth about whether or not Jesus was God. And this is my favorite part. Yeah. This is my favorite part. Wait for it. There, there's <laughs> like this, a little kid in the movie. Watch this. It's like Watch Christmas. This, this is like Christmas. There's this dude named Arius who is adamant that Jesus was just a man, he not God at all. He also has hair the color of red. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. That's interesting. No, it's, I just made that up because I just, <laughs> everyone that I think is like a bad person, their hair is it's red. Redhead. Okay. I know. I'm just, Arius. <laughs> um, so Arius, the redheaded, apparently. Uh, he, he was the most vocal uh, proponent or advocate that Jesus is not God. He was just a man. And after two months of arguing about this, uh, in the middle of Arius making this verbal argument, 
Santa gets up from his seat, walks over to Arius, and slaps him in the face. <laughs> like Nicholas could not stand watching someone stand up there and devaluing the gift that Jesus was. He couldn't do it. And by the end of this whole process, uh, they settle and they write down the first part of the Nicene Creed, which I just happen to have on me. I carry it with me everywhere. No, that's a lie. Uh, the first part of the Nicene Creed says this, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence, as the Father, through him all things were made. And it goes on from there, but just like every line is, he's God, he's God, he's God, he's God, he's God, he's God. And at the end of this, everyone signed it, and one of the signatures on this first document from the Nicene Creed is Santa Claus. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Which is cool, because like Santa and Starbucks are seen as like the the prominent like organizations and people that are trying to attack the true meaning of christmas mm-hmm. of just like like santa is the figurehead of the attack on christmas but santa is the first one who would get up and literally slap you in the face if you tried to tell anyone otherwise yeah wow. and like you can almost like see him paving a path for the gospel absolutely as if a figure of like John the Baptist and like this embodiment. I mean, like if anyone got the gospel, I think it's like him. Mm -hmm. Like he saw the broad, the broad poetry of the gospel. It it was, you know, seeing people for how God sees them. It was helping the poor. It was being generous. It was being available. It was, you know, fighting for the divinity, you know, of Jesus to be upheld. I mean, Wow. It's almost kind of like to do a better job at teaching our kids about Christmas and it would be to actually teach them about Santa Claus. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. I'm excited to like continue to teach my kids of who like Santa actually was. Have you, have you thought that through? Like as your kids are getting older? Yeah. What, oh, yeah. What's something that you would do or differently that maybe you didn't experience growing up that you would want? To maybe instill in your kids. Yeah. So like already my almost four-year-old son is gearing up for Christmas. Like this is the first year where I've seen him start to get excited. And he's like started talking about like Santa, like Santa's coming. And he started talking about gifts. And I want to get back to that because there's something really cool about that. But I, I stopped and I said, Edison, do you know why Santa gives us gifts? And he's like, no. And I said, because... He knew that Jesus is the biggest gift we could ever receive. And he wants to give us gifts to remind us that he is a gift. Mm-hmm. So just like little things like that. Because here's the deal. Like every holiday season, we watch videos of like people getting trampled on Black Friday. Like right. gifts are like this object 
of materialism and capitalism. I have a friend and... who was punched in the face on Good Friday. Yeah, Black Friday or Good Friday? Friday? Yeah, I, good, uh, Black Friday. <laughs> um, and he didn't get punched in the face by Santa Claus. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was a great clip. Something about yeah. Good Friday. Well, just... and, and the reality is, most people that shop on Black Friday are shopping for themselves. Right. Right. Not for. Yeah, like they want I'm a TV. I'm right. yeah, 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 guilty. <laughs> guilty of that. It's good. Get ahead of it, yeah. <laughs> I am Santa Claus to myself. <laughs> but, but that's how we've come to see gifts is like it's something that I want. Um, and like even like the Grinch that stole Christmas. Like the, the moral of the story is like once you take Chris, like gifts out of the equation, you see Christmas is about the people that you spend it around. Right. But we forget how valuable of a thing a gift is. Like... A gift is something that you give expecting nothing in return. How is there any clearer example of what Jesus did for us? Like that was a gift. So if a gift is inherently evil, like that, that doesn't quite fit. And I, I get the idea of a gift. Like, yeah. you know, like a gift is, you know, something that you don't expect to get back or in return. But I think like, you know, the older I get, the, the more I... Um, I think like the difference between a good gift and a bad gift, and there's there are differences. Um, a good gift is a gift that I get very similar to that painting um, that I feel completely seen by the person giving it. Yes. Um, it's a very common thing to get gifts by people and you don't feel seen by you know it's like you right. get a gift of chocolate chip cookies or um you, a zucchini bread uh, you know d- during september i have people give me zucchini bread um i try to have a grateful heart about zucchini bread <laughs> everybody i really hate zucchini bread um that's a bad Done gift for done. me and 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 like a good gift is is feeling seen yeah. and if, if, if Jesus is, I mean, like, if Jesus truly is, like, the good gift, the mm-hmm. best gift, mm-hmm. and it is, like, this idea that, that, that God is the best gift giver, and, and Jesus often talks about how God gives the best gifts, it is out of this, this place of that the people that take this gift are fully seen and understood by God. And this would be the best gift for you possible. Absolutely. So, okay. So take this back though, to the idea of, of love. Right. And I think if you're, you know, at least in my mind, I'm connecting some dots between your story and this love, um, the motivation of love and how it causes action or it causes us to see people or it causes us to, to want to do those things. But so where where do you find yourself in this love journey then? Like like where are you at right now in this idea? Like where's God either moving you or where's your heart being moved to to see people or to give gifts or because again it's not so much the the focus on well just do these things. This is why you do them, right? It, there's this this origin of of a heart, right? I think that's in Saint Nick's story too. So I don't know. Describe that. Where where are you at in this journey of love as we're describing it right now? I think um, as the place that, that I personally am um, and, and people are in different places, it, it comes back to that idea uh, for, uh, for 
me to grow in that heart. It's to grow in seeing people um, as God sees them, to grow um, in taking the time um, to see um, the things that excite people, the things that they're broken in. Um, a, a prime example at this point that I've been doing, um, so today is the 4th of yes. November. Um, and so um, there has been a b- bunch of like chaos as far as politics go. And um, do not judge me here. Um, but the thing that I've been experiencing is that there are two people um, that, 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 that are, are, are trying to become president. And um, these are two of God's kids. And like at the the core of things, these are God's kids. And I um, have encountered a whole bunch of people um, who who are on both sides. You know, I I support Donald Trump or I support Joe Biden. Um, and and so it's very very common for people who say I support Joe Biden and and. They then from that point turn the corner and they say everything that they hate about Donald Trump, but they don't say anything that they think is like super cool about Joe Biden. And then on the other side, you have these people who are like, man, I'm really fired up about Donald Trump. Like he is the best thing ever because I hate Joe Biden so much. And, and so our support has been fueled by hatred or anger or confusion. And so I, but, two biographies on on both candidates and i I had this goal of like seeing the things that 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 people do not see about both candidates and so if i'm talking to someone who is a donald trump supporter and they're like i i'm voting for trump i'm trump supporter and then i can say yes and here's some incredible things about donald trump or if I'm talking to someone who about Joe, Joe Biden, I can say, here are some incredible things that I can call out this, this child of God characteristic. Um, and that seems to be a healthy place for me because I tend to be someone who gets caught up in the chaos. I get caught up in anger. I get caught up in tearing people down because I'm a human being. And so I'm trying to grow in seeing people. Um, to the point, I feel like in my heart, whoever becomes president, I'm going to type them this prayer and say that I see them. I've been praying for you. And, uh, it's like that whole thing. And that's so like the antithesis of who I think I am as a human mm-hmm. being, like right. that's not me, but I'm growing. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I don't know, a few months ago, um, Mariana did a sermon and she talked about her own journey in kind of learning to stop talking so much and really be intentional about listening when people speak and, and how much more she learned about the other people. And I remember when she spoke those words, like, that's something I've struggled with I say that struggled with <laughs> uh, for a long time. I'm very, I love to talk and um, I love to have opinions on things. And um, I'm probably very much that typical person that when people are speaking, I'm thinking about what I'll say next. Um, and I, you know, I'm not proud of it, but 
after that sermon, I remember trying to really start being intentional about that, especially with my kids um, and my husband. And and what it's done when you talked about like the love and even the gift thing, it's made me be able to see, especially my 12-year-old daughter, um, when she speaks, I see more into her as opposed mm-hmm. to just listening to how her day was or listening, you know, to you know, something she thought was cool or something, you know, where I normally would be like, that's cute, but I don't think it's like that cool or something, you know, but having these intentional talks. And it's funny when you talk about even the politics thing, because obviously that's something that's come up. And um, it's been really enlightening to see her 12 year old kind heart in this and the exposure, you know, that she's had versus what I've had, but how she sees it with this filter of love mm. and that, You know, she doesn't have the um, rigid edges that I do and the, you know, firm, solid opinions that I do. She is very much more of a a gelatin right now that is, you know, letting things in, taking them, Mm -hmm. letting things out, you know. Um, That's awesome. Answer your question there. I think for me, the main thing that came to mind is just... um, giving people this might sound weird but giving people a space to cry has felt like one of the most loving opportunities I've had lately like there's been a couple times where people have been talking with have just started breaking down and just like giving them the space where they feel comfortable to do that has I don't know just walking away from those encounters just being like it was, it felt like giving a gift in those moments. And it felt like doing something very tangibly loving in that moment and responding to the statements of like, but it's fine. But responding back with like, no, it's not fine. And that's okay. And like giving them more space to cry, like just in the past week or so, I think that's what came to my mind. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting just hearing, you know, some of the stories here, thinking through some of the stories we've already shared. There's a, um, I know there's like a tension or an edge to the the trajectory of the question, right? Where it's, none of us came back with any answers or even the answers, I think in my own mind that aren't, uh, are easy answers or quick answers. There's, there's a, there's a desire for risk. There's a desire for vulnerability. There's a desire for uh, challenge in some ways. I mean, thinking again through the St. Nick story or even John the Baptist, I think the inspiration of that is it pushes us forward. So in my own mind, that's the kind of love that I'm I'm leaning into or wanting to lean into is the one that pushes forward. I think the other thing that's intriguing is the um, all three stories that you guys shared is this is this concept of presence. So um, seeing people is a, is a is an act of presence. It's an act of the moment, and definitely I know in my own life the the season that we've been in and the the different iterations of COVID and all that kind of stuff. One thing I really miss is the the moments of presence uh, that have have gone away by the busyness of the season. And there was so much love tied into those moments of presence. So it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the challenge is, especially during the, the Christmas season is there are, you know, 
typically these four themes that get put up on billboards and there's songs about them. You know, it's a season of peace. It's a season of joy, it's a season of, you know, and it's, and they're almost um, these very plastic, plastic ideals or something that doesn't hold anything. And I think this season, the season of Advent, it, 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 it invites you to take those plastic slogans and burn them down and see if there's anything there at the end. Um, it isn't this empty hope. Actually, hope is full. It's potent. It's pregnant, you know? And, um, but to get to that point, you have to get past, um, this like fake spirit that, doesn't exist you have to slap it in the face (laughs) you have to point to santa claus just got slapped by saint nick (laughs) felt so good there's something i don't know how this ties in but like i've still been thinking about john the baptist and his origin story like when he and jesus were still in the womb and their mothers came near to each other john kicked and it's like from the very beginning before he was born he has experienced the presence of Jesus. Yes. And that carried through all the way till he baptized him. Like, I don't know. I, they probably didn't have any contact between that moment and standing in the Jordan River. But he was in love with Jesus since before he was born, literally. And that carried through. And any attempts of embracing any of the virtues of the advent series without the context of jesus is empty and fruitless and it's going to be really really hard but i think john experienced something in the very beginning that caused him to fall in love where he's like yeah i'll eat bugs and honey like till my time comes to like do what i'm here to do and i'll be martyred for it and that's fine but I know who Jesus is and that's where his love came from. That would be a brilliant place to be. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think uh, we're wrapping up here as we continue to uh, kind of talk through this, but before we do, uh, I wanted to uh, ask a question, KJ, um, (laughs) even though you're pointing a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask, let me ask this question. So when we started this, uh, in part one, we mentioned uh, there's kind of two projects going on here. There's actually this Advent podcast that we're working on, uh, but there's also kind of a video, um, a series of four videos that we're, we're doing as well. Talk a little bit about that and, and um, kind of where that's at, how that journey's going. Yeah, thanks for bringing that, up, that back up. Um, I actually spent um, a, a big chunk of time on that today, and I was just like bawling as I was <laughs> um, typing up some things. It... Um, it has been a joy um, to engage these themes and um, to to almost approach them before the Christmas season begins um, so I don't feel like tainted uh, by the Christmas season. Like so today it's 75 degrees and um, I, I prepared this text on joy and um, and, and thinking about the embodiments of joy. Um, the videos, um, the, the specific video projects have, have, have changed and shifted because I 
feel like um, those of us who are engaging this project are changing and shifting and being taught and growing. And so That's awesome. um, it's, it's kind of this like hard thing because there's going to have to be a point um, that that someone says it's finished, but I don't feel like I'm going to be finished. And I don't think like the, the video should ever be finished, but of course it has to be. Um, if our, um, idea of, of being seen or, um, the heartbeat of Christ is like this idea of the best gift giving, um, at this point, I feel like these videos are like a handful of us saying, this is the best gift I could possibly give. Um, that's how I feel. And I understand I'm talking it up. I understand I'm, I'm putting pressure on it. Um, but I believe I cannot do anything better than this. Um, and it's been a gift to engage these different themes. Um, and the, the, uh, to be beyond this team who's constantly processing and, um, this podcast has been a gift because it's just the ability. I mean, like who gets to do this? Yeah. And, um, the thing that's cool for all of us who are playing this podcast in your car or in your home or you're doing your quiet time or, you know, it's all of us get to do this. Like this thing that I see is like so sacred and so special and I'm bringing people into this place that I called a secret and I didn't tell you about, I'm inviting you here. And, um, these like secret themes of Advent is, um, the, the artistic expressions of video and conversation, you are all invited to the fullness of it. And I think by doing this, it's going to enhance hopefully everything. So, um, there's been, uh, kind of the goal instead of doing this corny, like, well, that's it for the, <laughs> the tales of the secret cabin. Um, our, our desire is to almost like to sum it all up by saying a blessing. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of talking to Stetson right now because, um, his blessings are magical. Mm-hmm. And, um, during this time, um, and the things that he brings, uh, could you pray a blessing over us to end our time together? Sure. Everyone gives me a hard time for being silent for a moment, but the podcast is still going. I just pause for a moment. <laughs> May you remember the season why your soul leapt in the womb the first time it encountered Jesus. May you walk about seeing empty shoes to toss coins into and windows to toss bags of gold into, knowing that it is actually Jesus that you're distributing these things into. And in doing so, may you see that all along that's what Jesus has been doing for you because he loves you. And from the abundance of that love, May that love pour over into those who are lacking it. Amen.